I started here last week and uh, ended up not getting any further than my testimony, which was supposed to be about five minutes of last, uh, last Sunday's sermon. But uh, it was good. I, you know, I'm glad I actually was able to share it. And, and I had a number of people who said that it uh, reminded them of their life, which, you know, we'll pray for you. And a number who said that uh, they had never heard all of it. And you still haven't heard all of it. Praise God. And, uh, but uh, it was good. So I, I, I have a whole sermon left to preach. And uh, we never know. You know how these things kind of go. They, they could turn into a, a series real quick. So... Beginning with 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Gift of God. Every one of us has a gift. Now, you may not think so, or, or you may not know so, but each and every one has a gift. Each and every one has a calling. Each and every one has a purpose that you were born into this world. Now, I'm actually a firm believer that each and every person on the earth has a purpose and a calling and a plan that God has for them. And then they choose whether or not to follow it. It's their choice. You know, you see some, somebody who's amazingly talented. Somebody who's, you know, on, on whatever TV show or on whatever stage or whatever. Or someone who's athletically gifted or whatever. And, and they have this amazing talent. And they actually display it. I mean, they've, they've developed it and they've, they've worked hard to achieve the level that they're at. And yet they choose to live an ungodly life. Well, that person was still given that talent, that calling. They were called to be who they are. And they were given that by God. And then you see those who are given a talent and they develop it. They work hard and they use it for the glory of God. There's both sides of that. And then the rest of us are in the middle. We've been given a talent, we've been given a, uh, an ability, we've been given a, a calling, a gifting. And we're just most of the time wondering what it is. Most of us are just wondering how to use it. How would God possibly use this ability? The, the, the phrase keeps coming up in my head, and just it's silly, but this superpower. My son asked me one time, he says, Dad, what would you, if you had any superpower you could have, what would it be, Dad? And I said, Oh, I know exactly which one. It would be the power to cause my children to obey me every time I speak. That would be amazing. Oh, Dad. That would be a superpower. <laughs> and I would only use it for good, really. I would. I would just I would use it for good. <laughs> but you might think, well, you know, what what great thing do I have in me? What what good thing do I have in me? What is it that God could possibly use? Oh my goodness, people. 
You know, we, we get taught our whole life to be humble, and we get taught our whole life to, to think less of ourselves than we should. And the problem is we go too far with that, and we, we, get over into, we get over into, you know, I don't think anything of myself. There's nothing in me that's worth anything for anybody. There's nothing, there's nothing in me that, that can, that can uh, be a blessing to the world. You know, and obviously if we don't use that, the, the Christianese terms, there's nothing in me that anybody could use or anybody could want. The problem with that angle on things is you get over to, I'm not worth anything. And then you're reinforced all the way through your life. Some, sadly, sometimes by your parents. You're not worth anything. You're never any good at anything. You never, you never, you never, uh, you, you've, never been, you've never fulfilled anything. You've always been a disappointment to me. I'm being real hesitant on even using those words because for some of you, you used to hear that or you still hear that. And it's reinforcing, which isn't true. And you get out into the world and the world tells you you're not worth anything. And the world tells you you're not, you're not valuable to anyone. And then Satan has no problem whatsoever reminding you on a regular basis that you don't have anything that's worth anything to anybody. Or even what you might think possibly. Because you, you, know, you get saved and then you start renewing your mind. God starts renewing your mind through his word. And, and he starts showing you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet you've heard it for so many times for so long. That you can't believe it. Well, not me. You know, I don't know where Timothy was in this, you know, because, because we, you know, we know this, this portion of Scripture. We know that, that Paul is about to say, you've not been given a spirit of fear. But some level of Timothy, something in Timothy was keeping him from believing that God could use him in, to the level that God wanted to use him. So Paul is saying, fan into flame that gift. Develop that gift. Allow him to use that gift. Allow God to use that gift in you. Fan it into flame. Because God needed Timothy to fulfill his call. God needs you to fulfill the call that he's given you. You know, we had a whole year of here, the, the focus of a whole year on the call. We read Oz Guinness's book, The Call. And that every person and every single human being on this earth has purpose. Every single person, everybody. There's not a throwaway person anywhere. God did this all on purpose. He has a plan. He has a deep purpose. It's not just a shallow, well, I just have a, you know, I'm just here to keep somebody. I'm being a loser because I took that spot. No, we have a deep purpose. A deep plan for who we are. And it's vital to the kingdom of God. It's, it's vital to humanity that we fulfill it. And Satan hates you. And he's going to do everything he can to destroy that 
confidence that, you, that God wants you to have, that confidence to, to boldly proclaim and, and boldly fulfill the call that God has given you. You have to actively fan it into flame. You have to actively pursue it. It is not something that will just, it'll just happen. I mean, you see any great athlete, any great, I mean, a really good athlete, somebody who really is world class, they had to fan that gift, they had to fan that call into flame. They had to work hard to become who they are. You see any great musician, you see any halfway decent musician, they had to practice. 1st time you know that when Deb and I first met getting to know each other and we would, we were on a long walk one night and we were talking and and she said I just asked her I said well do you play any musical instruments and she said well I play the piano I said really that's nice and I said well I'd like to hear you sometime and she goes well we were walking happened to be walking by her church and she had a key for the church and she goes, well, there's a piano in the church. I can play for you right now. I said, well, I'd love to have you play. Yeah, let's go do that. So we go into the church. We sit down. She doesn't have any music in front of her. She, doesn't, she didn't, have, didn't bring any music with her, obviously. And she started playing. I didn't know that she had gone through, at that, that time, about 13 years of, of lessons. She got done playing, and, I, and she played Thy Word. If you want to know the, you know, the key to a, a man's heart, women, play Thy Word. It was just, I was done. I was in. I was hers from that moment on. She got done. Well, it wasn't her cooking, so it had to be something. Was, no. No, she couldn't cook, guys. She couldn't. I was thin back then. I was, you know, she's gotten better. You can tell. I might get thin again. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see how that goes for me. But I looked at her and I said, okay, you don't play the piano. Wasn't that my exact words? I said, you don't play the piano. You're, you're a concert pianist. I mean, she played a classical piece from memory, flawlessly. It was just absolutely, I was just, I was, oh my gosh. And I heard someone say, you know, at one point in time, years afterwards, they said, have you ever just heard somebody play the piano or a musical instrument or whatever, and you go, man, I wished I could play like that. And the truth is, no, you don't, because if you really wished you could play like that, you'd start practicing. Because it took 13 years of practice. And then she took four more years of practice through college. 17 years total. People who are, are, are great at anything have to fan that into flame. Well, why would that be any different from the call of God on your life to the kingdom? Because if you're, if you're a businessman, if you're a successful businessman or woman here, you didn't do that overnight. You didn't accomplish that overnight. 
It took years of work and study and, and continued training and, and, and applying yourself and asking questions and learning. You're much better 20 years later than you are the day you started. That doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a mechanic or whether you're a, you know, a brain surgeon. You have to fan that into flame. Well, why would we think that Christian, our, our gift that God has given us for the kingdom of God, be any different? We have to be diligent. Interestingly, that's only half of the equation. Keep reading there. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, blah, 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 blah. Verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Half of the equation is actively working, actively fanning into flame that gift. The other half is don't fear. Why? Why, do, why does he make a big deal out of don't fear? Because every day you have an opportunity to fear. Because every day the enemy and everybody else in the world will tell you that you're wasting your time. That really in all, all reality you're a failure. And you're going to fail. And then the world goes in the direction that it does and it gives you any hope you may have had quickly goes out the window because now every chance you might have ever had of succeeding in doing what God's called you to do is going against you. Gas prices rise over $4 a gallon. And you just... You just invested in a new truck for your business. Or God told you to take a job in another state or, or whatever it may be and all of a sudden the, the cost and the price else starts escalating. Everything that could possibly go wrong starts to go wrong. And you have every opportunity, every reasonable opportunity to believe, well, maybe I missed God. Maybe He didn't call me to do this. Maybe He didn't call me to do that. When, I, when God called to, led Deb and I to go back, for me to go back to college, I had every reason not to do it. Literally. I had every reason not to go back to college. Number one. I had just gotten married. And I had this overwhelming sense of, of need of, of taking care of my wife. Because my father-in-law didn't like me. And the worst thing that could ever happen was to prove that I was actually as, 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 as unworthy as he thought I was. To marry his daughter. Now he and I get along really good now. He actually likes me better than most of the other family members. So that's all, it's all worked out now. <laughs> but I had just gotten married. I had a really good job. <laughs> I laugh because this was uh, 25 years ago, and I was working for 5.71 an hour. 
My take-home pay each week was under 200 bucks a week, but it was money. It was real. It was the most money I'd ever made in my life. Hello. Why would I give up a perfectly good job to go back to an, you know, college to have a, an un, unex, you know, un, unrealistic expectation that I would actually have a job at the end? Because Jesus could come back at any moment, and why would I want to raise, waste four whole years getting trained to teach. I don't really want to be a teacher. I want to be in the ministry, but God led me to go to a teaching school, to a, you know, University of Wisconsin Stout. Oh, speaking of Stout, the other reason it wouldn't have been good to go back there is because I had gotten kicked out of there six years before. They told me don't come back until you have reassessed your educational goals. <laughs> don't, don't nod your head or anything like this because I don't want anybody to to recognize this, but if you're, you know, any of you have ever watched Animal House? <laughs> no, see, I told you not to do that. No, no, you're laughing at everybody else who is maybe. And John Belushi's character is hand, you know, he goes before the and gets double secret probation because he had had a 0.0 grade point average. <laughs> I received the letter it says you have a 0.0 grade point average for this semester. Please, it's, they didn't tell me you had to show up for classes. Young people, go to school. All you have to do is show up. I had all these reasons. I owed money. And I was going you know, to go back, I'm going to have to borrow money. There's all these economic and social, you know, and, and, and personal reasons why. Why would I do that? And yet God led, and I was, I have to, I'll, be, I'll be absolutely honest with you, I was scared to death. I was afraid we would get up there and we, I would fail. And we would starve. Well, I would starve. Her dad would take her back in. <laughs> he, he told me. Yeah, I just wanted to. The kind of pressure I was on, he goes, John, I'm going to wear her every six months. <laughs> Didn't he? Yes, he did. He says, if she starts losing weight, it's your fault. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Every reason why you can't do this. Every reason why you can't do that. There, are, there is no shortage of critics in this world who say that you are not worth anything. But God wants to tell you, fan into flame the gift that he's given you. Now, this is all part of a bigger sermon. Last week I was going to talk, you know, it was Mother's Day. And that's what I really had in my heart was to share my testimony really quick, talk about mothers, talk about this, because who is the largest, the greatest proponent of kids? Parents. Mothers, primarily. But fathers also. Fathers, mothers, fan into flame the gift of your children. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. What the heck does that mean? Because we see a lot of kids, where we, we, feel, we feel like we train them up the way that they should go. And now that they're old, they're going in all kinds of crazy directions. What the heck? But that word is still true. Because they're not old yet. They might go through some stupid things. Making some stupid choices. 
really driving you nuts. But don't give up on them. That was the whole point of the last sermon was don't give up on them. Keep praying for them no matter what, they, what it looks like on the outside. Don't give up on them. Because you may be the only person who doesn't give up on them. And that's all it takes is one person standing and believing. And you know, especially if you have a, you know, two of you who can pray and agree together, touching anything, he'll do it. But what, what about if you haven't done anything and you know, you're getting old? I mean like really old, like 50 Two weeks. And my son, I love my son. He got a big hug after this. I said, he goes, Dad, you're turning 50, aren't you? I said, yeah, I'm turning 50. He goes, you're almost middle age. I like you, kid. I'll keep you for another year. Your contract's been renewed. But, you know, gosh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really, have I really fulfilled all that God has for me? In the middle of everything that God has for me, am I really? That sounds a lot like Satan. Are you really in the middle of what God's called you to do? Are you really fulfilling your life completely? Or have you just wasted it? And now, just by the grace of God, all you have to look forward to is heaven. If you're breathing, you're in the middle of it. Fan into flame. Yeah, have you missed some of it? Yeah, we all have missed some of it. We've all missed some opportunities. Sure we have. But don't waste a minute regretting. Don't fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. That we're, that we're missing the plan of God, that we've completely missed the, flan, the plan of God. Use where you're at, take, pick up where you're at, and start fanning. Whew. Yeah. I just had a thought. Fan into flame. The problem is, is if you feel like you've missed it already, if you feel that you've made too many wrong choices or you find yourself in a place that obviously God could never use me or people have no use for me, you end up with the same thing as what Angie's been talking about. Why do you have successful kids giving up at the beginning of their life? My goodness. Why do you have successful men and women giving up? Suicide rate is the highest it's ever been per capita in the armed forces, those who have served in the armed forces. Happy Armed Forces Day yesterday, by the way. Those who have served 
Thank you for your service. It was worth it. Thank you. We appreciate it. Why do we have suicide rates going through the roof in this world? I was watching the other day, and I was was reading this, uh, just some statistics and some things, and they were talking about how uh, stress and heart attacks are going through the roof. The Bible says that in in the end times, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. If we ever had anything to fear, it's today. But the word says, don't fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. I don't care what the future looks like. I don't care if the gas prices go over six, six bucks a gallon. Seven bucks a gallon. Eight bucks a gallon. Nine bucks a gallon. I don't care. Why? Because his promises to us are not based on the price of gas. And if we think they are, we'll fear. Yesterday I was driving back into town. I was at a quarter of a tank. And I thought, ah, oh, you know, the prices could go down by Tuesday. I think I can get by till Tuesday. And all of a sudden I thought, no. I'm going to go fill up my tank. Why? Because he has blessed me exceedingly abundantly more than ever I could hope, think, or ask. That's the attitude. Are we foolish? No, we don't, we're not, we don't be foolish. But we don't fear either. We don't make decisions based on fear. We don't make decisions that somehow, if we don't do it now, we're going to miss it. If we don't do what God's called us to do right this very second, whether it's his timing or it isn't, we'll miss it. You start making decisions for the wrong reasons, and you will miss it. I guarantee it. You start making decisions out of fear, and you will miss it. You've already missed it. Fan into flames the gift of God. Develop the call of God on your life. I don't care what age you're at. Dick, you're middle-aged. Fan into flames. Young people, you're just starting. All the potential in the world. All the time in the world. And you have everything going for you. You know the truth. Fan into flames. Housewives. Well, I made my choice. I'm strapped to these kids for the next 20 years. <laughs> oh, great. What if I had made a better choice? Husbands. I'm so blessed with my wife, but what if I had been a choice to do what I really wanted to do in life? Or what I really felt like, God, man, I missed it when I didn't do this. No, you didn't. Just pick up where you're at and go. And don't fear. Stop fearing. Stop making decisions based on fear. 
Because you don't know what the future holds. You don't. You have no idea what the, what the, what the future holds. But we do know who knows. I know who holds my future, and my future is secure. And the future of my family is secure. That when I make decisions based on the Word of God, on the principles of God, on His leading in my life, I'll make the right decisions. Because I have the mind of Christ. He has given me everything I need for life and godliness. And he'll help me make the right decisions. I just quoted a whole bunch of scripture right there. and didn't, didn't give you any chapters and verses, but it don't have to. It's word. And it works in your life. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what it looks like out there. It doesn't matter who makes bad decisions out there. You make right decisions. You don't fear and you keep moving forward. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror? Wow, that's a great promise. More than conquerors. 